Hello, welcome to the Grace Life Podcast. The message you're about to hear, if diligently applied, will absolutely change your life. We're praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, thereby allowing the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened. Now let's join the service already in progress with Pastor West. rescued us. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. Good morning. We're going to let our children go to Children's Church. And may the teacher still win. Thank God for Holy Ghost teachers who love children. They argue church tomorrow. Amen. We'll receive the offering at the end. Y'all just remind me, if you will. Uh, Trust you had a good Christmas? Yeah. Honestly, anyone glad it's over? Yeah. Thank yeah. you, Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> well, there's a little struggle every year in the sense of, uh, if it matters to you, I hope it does, that uh, it becomes so commercialized that uh, we say this is the reason for the season. But by the end of the season, everybody's exhausted. <laughs> and really for the wrong reason. Huh? Yeah. And it really shouldn't be that way. Now, this morning, I, I have, a, I have a, a direct word from, from the Lord. I know I do. And um, can, can I have your undivided attention? I know it's been a long season, a long year. Maybe had a long week. Uh, I know the weather's supposed to be challenging. I, uh, they said it might be iced over before this morning. And I, <clears throat> I went outside and talked to it. And I told it what it would not be doing, about what time it would not be doing. And... Uh, and I, I cursed it. I didn't cuss it. I cursed it. And uh, <clears throat> what some people think is Christian cussing. Well, there is no such thing as Christian cussing. Uh, I cursed it. Jesus cursed the fig tree. And uh, I just told the temperature, you'll stay to a certain temperature uh, so we could come together this morning. Amen. But I have a direct word from, from the Lord. And it's, it's nothing that's, uh, <clears throat> that you probably don't know, but just sometimes we just need, need to be reminded of it. And um, it's, you know, I always said kind of how you finish a year is kind of how you start the next one. So if it's if we're if we're ending wrong and then we go into the new to the new side of it and we carry on the same thought pattern. If see if our if our believing's wrong or if our thinking's wrong or believing's wrong. If our believing's wrong, then our actions are wrong. Then everything we say is wrong. And your mouth. And your words have the control of your life. So it's very important that, uh, that we understand how to think. Yes. Right? Yes. Especially in the world that we're in now. How to think. Right. <clears throat> and how to think right. So I'm going to talk about promise and purpose and plan and provision just in a broad sense as the headlines. Uh, <clears throat> but more, more than that, it'll just be to, to help us to end and come into the new side. Um, I want to read something to you. It's not really my message, but I, I just want to read it to you. And since it's from the Bible, I think it's okay. Y'all still okay with reading the Bible? Okay. Now, you said I could have your attention. Yes, sir. Okay. 
and you don't have to turn there because we won't stay here for just a minute. But First John 4, 7, he says, Beloved or beloved, however you want to say it, let us love one another, for love is of God. Amen. Everyone that loveth is born of God and knows God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us. Because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. The, the next verse, that, that really just points it. It says, herein or here is love. And here it is. Not that we were loving God, but that He was loving you. How do we know that? Because he sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins. Which one of your children would you send to die for somebody else? If that's not love, I don't know what is. I mean, you might have one that's, uh, that, that needs a little chastising, but that's not what happened here. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No man has seen God any time. If we love one another, God dwells in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him, and he in us, and have given us of his spirit. We have seen, uh, you realize no one in the old, old covenant would ever quote that verse. No one in the old covenant would say, and hereby we know this because I have his spirit. Who, who in the old covenant was going to say that? No, nobody. Prophet, priest. Spirit of God come upon, not within, someone for service for a specified time. But no one in the old covenant, this is just a verse to us. It's just like the verse before the next verse. And we just say, well, here, here's how we know because his spirit's in me. That's right. And we have seen and do testify that he, the Father, sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwells in him, that person. And he in God. And then he says, now we know and believe the love that God has to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love is dwelling in God, and God in him. Herein is your love made perfect, that we might have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. Now, he could have said in heaven, but he said here. There's no fear in love. Why? Perfect love cast out fear. You know, I don't know if it's true, and I know you've heard it said this way, and maybe it is, but someone said that there's 365 times in the scriptures where it's said, fear not. And maybe that, if that's true, then there's one for every day of the year. Usually when the phrase comes, fear not, or you're told to fear not, it's because there's something close by to fear. Hmm? Yeah, yeah. You know, people who have those little radar detectors let you know the policeman's right up ahead. When it goes off, it's for a reason. He's up ahead. <laughs> right? So when the Bible says or Jesus would say to his disciples, fear not. Why? Because the circumstances that they were in was causing them to fear. Or they could give place to it. So he says, there's no fear in love, this, this, this God love, 
Because if you've been perfected or you're matured in his love, that will cast out all your fear. Because fear hath torment. Uh, uh, we were with uh, half a dozen or so ministers Friday night. Uh, uh, went to one of them's home I'd never been to. And, uh, and we were talking about some of these things. And uh, one of the uh, pastors said, <clears throat> and they're, this pastor's probably about 10 years or more older than I am. It was the pastor's wife actually said, uh, through the years, this would happen and that would happen and this would happen. He said, she said, the Lord said to her one day and, um, and just said, when will you ever believe that I'll never let you down? When will you believe that I'll always come through? In other words, here comes an attack again, or here comes the feeling again, again, or here comes the symptoms again, and oh boy, it started all over again. He said, when will you ever believe that I'll never, never, never let you down? Well, <clears throat> there's a scripture, and I, uh, it just came to me, uh, Hebrews uh, 13. I hadn't read this one in a long time. I appreciate your attention this morning. Hebrews 13, verse 6 says this, that we could boldly say, the Lord's my helper. See, if you're, not, if you're not a child of God, you can't say that. It, and, and the Lord does help, even the lost. We you know, I mean, Scripture says he, the, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Sun hits everybody. Right? But here he says, we can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. So I will, I will, I will not what? There it is again. What man shall do unto me? Um, verse 5 in the Amplified, and not the first part of it, but parts of it. And I'll just read the part that's pertinent here. Um, this verse, to me, has always has a, um, this, this particular passage has a, uh, a memory attached to it. That uh, because I remember when I was given this scripture and when I didn't know in the Amplified I didn't know it was there and I was in a service and he said read this and read it in the Amplified and so it was the first time I read in the Amplified and we were praying for two people who had cancer one's here today is alive the other one's in heaven one followed instructions the other one didn't <coughs> so I when every time I see this scripture I, it always takes me back to that to that that night. And, and here's what the Lord said. <clears throat> he said, um, Himself has said, He, God, is, is saying to you, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. Now, if you're fully funded right now, I'm happy for you because you don't feel any of that. But if you live long enough, you might. 
You know, Paul said, I, I've abounded and have so much I don't hardly know what to do with it. Well, he didn't say it that way. He didn't know what to do with it because he, he had plenty of places to put it. But he said, but the same man said, but I've, I've gone to some places to where I, he said there was nothing any longer to eat. He said, and I was unclothed. Well, the scripture said, he, he said, I was naked. I don't know if it meant fully or uh, but I, I'm just going to say he wasn't clothed. Same man said, I've abounded, said, I've, I'm, I'm lacking. I haven't had a decent meal and I can't tell you how long. Same man. Uh -huh. Right? Yeah. So God says, I will not in any way leave you without support. Amplified then says this three times. I will not, in parentheses, I will not, and I will not in any degree leave you helpless nor forsake you nor let you down. I will not relax my hold on you. <clears throat> Anyone called and told you that this week? Make sure you're okay. And then the parentheses says assuredly not. So you can take comfort and be encouraged and confident and boldly say, the Lord's my helper. Amen. I mean, it'd be okay if it was said it was your brother-in-law, but something better than that. Yes. The Lord is your helper. Yes. Amen. The Lord's helping us. Yes. Are y'all listening? Yes. The Lord's helping us. Yes. Are we on there? Okay, well then I won't say what I want to say. But the Lord's helping us. I will not be seized with alarm. I will not fear nor dread nor be terrified what anything, man or institution or anybody can do to me. God's working with me. <laughs> now, <clears throat> to our assignment. Promise, purpose, plan, and provision. You know, it, uh, my ministry, I don't know, it changed a few years ago. I don't know why it did, but it, uh, I used to just have a scripture or two. And then just go off and whatever. Now it's kind of the last several years. It's been more like he wants to give me this to write all this stuff down. And maybe it's for someone else one day when they can look at some of it and decide if it's noteworthy. Uh, <clears throat> and I've I've, uh, I've I've explained a scenario like this before, so this is not new material. Uh, but it just says what we want to say today. When you come into a new room, uh, I, I was in a like I said, a pastor's house Friday, uh, and it was a log cabin house, and that's pretty cool. And um, and so, uh, this kind of hits home with me. When you come into a new room, a house or building, and spend time there for a while, you'll begin to take notice of your surroundings. Uh, if everyone looks this way, and if, and if I ask you not to look that way, Will you do that for just a moment? Uh, how many knows what that sign over says on the wall? Can quote it. Huh, Keith, you're looking at it. Oh, 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 he gets two mares. <laughs> you, you know how long that sign's been here? For about a year. Because it's the heart and compassion of God. But it's been here so long we don't know what it says. No, you do. Yeah, find a need and fill it. Find a problem and solve it. Together we can change the world. It's all about harvest. And you're, you're about that all the time, so it's, you're like, that's what I'm doing. But the majority don't. Uh, I'm not saying here, I'm just saying in the world. And it's, it's called the Great Commission, not suggestion. 
so uh, y'all remember Mr. Witt, you know, that helped us with the bathrooms a few years ago. <clears throat> so, and I, I know I've told the story, but anyway, he said he called me about a year ago because he's been to my house two or three times, and he says, uh, he said, hey, tell me what the, uh, he says, tell me what the picture in the den says or the sitting area where he said they're uh, in your kitchen area. He said, there's a couch over there, and over the couch is a picture. And it's about this. He says, tell me what that says. And I said, I, I have a picture over my couch. And I call it the den kitchen because it probably should have been a dining room, but it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a two dens, kind of like you have two dens, which works really good when you've got a chick flick in a ball game. I was like, that's your den, this is my den. <laughs> works really good. <laughs> so... Anyway, uh, they said, yeah. And uh, I said, well, I don't know. Hang on. So I was in my office, and I had to walk through the house. And I got there, and I looked over the, over the, I had my phone with me, and I started reading. And he says, yeah, I, I knew most of it. I just didn't know all of it. And then I sat down, and I thought, well, how, how dumb is that? He hasn't been in my home in three years, and I still have the same picture here. And I don't even know I have it in the house, much less where it's at. And he, he wants to know the full inscription. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. But how, how many ever went to a, to a, a meeting or you went to a, a, an office or you went to a store or you went to a, a waiting room or you sit in a doctor's office, whatever, and <clears throat> you ever had to get in a little cubicle waiting for the doctor to come in and you're just sitting there waiting. And, I mean, you, you count the tiles and you see the stain over here and you're like... You read the charts and all that, you know, just, I mean, you're, you're noticing everything. But if you worked there and you worked in that office, you would notice all that because it becomes familiar. So, in other words, so when you come into a new room, house, building, spend time, take a notice of your surroundings. If you're there for a length of time, you pay attention to the decor, the furnishings, and the details because it's not familiar to you. Everything is something new to you and that kind of situation. But when you enter to a familiar place, you give much less attention to your surroundings because of your familiarity. Did y'all agree with that? Yeah. yeah. So sometimes for God to do a new work in your life, uh, <clears throat> I know everyone will say this, I mean, how, how many want, how many goals would be the same as mine that when you meet Jesus, when you meet Jesus, not in a crowd, when you meet Jesus, you want to hear him say to you, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. Because, yes. I mean, the, the, the day will be, it will come, but it's just going to be the two of you. Yes. We're not meeting as a group as a church. We'll meet when we're, we're there and we'll talk and fellowship. But, I mean, there'll be a day to just be you and him and he'll look right into your eyes. And you hope to, you hope to hear those words, right? Yes. I mean, that'd be better than just well. Well, <laughs> well done be better than, well, there you are. Right? So sometimes for God to do a new work in your life, he has to remove you out of, out of a familiar setting to a new place unfamiliar to you in order to activate your senses or to get your attention. And sometimes in them unfamiliar places, they can be, un they can be uncomfortable. Hmm? Because a lot of people don't like change. We like the comfort zone. We, we like this. We like that. Uh, I always tell like Pastor Billings in Tuscaloosa when I go him to eat, if we go to a certain restaurant, I can order for him every time. I can order for Vans of Sea every time we go to Ruby Tuesdays. She'll come and, and I'll say he wants the New Orleans seafood and he wants it just like the picture. He wants the rice. He wants the broccoli. 
And he used to drink lemonade, but he's watching his sugar, so he wants water and lemons. And if y'all ever take this off the menu, you'll probably never see him again, because that's the only reason he comes here. <laughs> and I'll say, is that right, sir? And he says, that's just about right. <laughs> then I'll order whatever I'm going to get. I told Pastor Bill the same thing. We'll go to a Mexican place. I said, he wants the letter K. And he wants it this way. And he wants an extra cup of ice because he doesn't like drinks that gets warm. And he's really wanting a cup of ice, an extra cup of ice. This is something you don't need to forget because he can't keep his mind on anything we're going to do from this point if he don't have that extra cup of ice and a bowl of lemons. So help us both. I'll give you five more dollars if you'll just bring him a big cup of ice myself. <laughs> and I said, don't you want to try something else? He said, nope. <laughs> Could eat it every day? I said, no, okay. So we're, we're all kind of that way in some ways. But some of us, and I think I'm a little bit, we, we also have an adventurous side. How many do you like to try new things sometimes? Go places you've never been before. How many of you just was on a highway somewhere and it wasn't nowhere special about the highway, but it was like, I've never been on this road in my life. I never saw that house. I never saw that mailbox. I never saw... When I went to the wedding to marry uh, Christina, I thought, I don't think I've ever been on this road in my life. And she says, what do you mean? And I said, I don't know. I've just never been on this road in my life. So everything was brand new. So, so you're paying attention because it's brand new. And there's a danger when we don't pay attention. There's a danger in, in your home. There's a danger in your relationships. There's a danger in your marriage when you no longer pay attention. There's a danger in the church when we become familiar with one another. And so it's easy for us not to hear what the Lord's saying to us because it just becomes familiar. Okay? True fact, most traffic accidents to people, whether it's just a wreck or a fatality, happens within five to seven miles of their home, the majority of them. The insurance companies tell us this. Why is that? Because you're familiar, right? <clears throat> now, if you ever ride a motorcycle, don't, don't ever go on a road that's familiar and be familiar. Because you can get hurt or killed in a motorcycle in a heartbeat. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> because, you know, it's one thing to run over a raccoon or armadillo in your car, but on two wheels, it can be altogether different. I watch people a lot of times because uh, I don't ride and I'm trying to actually get rid of mine, but uh, uh, sell it. But uh, there's a, I watch riders on motorcycles sometimes and they ride right behind a car. No, no closer than they would in the car, but if you're going 50 miles an hour and you're on a motorcycle, how do you know that you can go over what they might have straddled? Right? I mean, in other words, if you're in a car or a truck that's off the ground, you might straddle a big old tread. Or it might be a, a dead armadillo, which is, you know, possum on the half shell, which is hard, right? Well, I mean, you might have to hit it because you can't swerve like this. And if you hit it, you can go boom, boom. And when you hit your head on the pavement at 50, it hurts, I imagine. So I'm, I'm always real defense. I mean, I, I, I'm the most defensive person that I know of when I ride my motorcycle because I used to pretend like people couldn't see me so that I could stop at any moment, and I abandoned that idea because that wasn't, that wasn't enough. So my, my new theory was this. They're trying to hit me. 
But you ride for an hour like that and you wear yourself out. So I'm getting rid of this sucker. <laughs> anyway. So that's why most traffic accidents happen five to seven miles away from home because it's just real familiar territory. Uh, Jesus had to take a man. You remember he had to take him out of his own hometown. They had to take him out of town to get him healed. Because yes. he couldn't get him healed in town. Correct. Because of how the town thought and how he thought. So he had to take him out of familiar settings right. somewhere else to where he was, you know, and uh, to get a different result. Jesus was prophesied many years before he arrived. Many, many years before he ever arrived, he was prophesied before his coming. When he arrived, the Bible said his own people did not recognize him. And they prayed for it. They knew the prophecy, the Messiah would come. And worse than that, not only did they not recognize him, but they also rejected him. Hmm? So God has a time of visitation for, for you, for all of us. And in that, there's a promise. There's a plan with a purpose. And there's built-in provision. That's what you're supposed to get this morning. Yes. Amen. If you don't write it down, you're never going to remember it. I don't understand the people that come to a, a, a teaching church and doesn't write things down. I don't, I don't get that. People are real smart that said that we only retain 10% of what we hear. A plan starts off with a promise. And God has a plan. In that plan is his purpose because he does it without purpose. And in that has built-in provision. The question is, will you recognize it? Will you know the plan? Do you know the set time of his favor? I mean, how did they miss the Messiah? I mean, how do you miss something so grandiose as the Messiah? that you've desired and prayed for, for for so long, for so many years. It's usually because when God answers the prayer, it's not the way they thought he was going to answer the prayer. So the answer doesn't come packaged the way that you liked. God ever answered your prayer in a way that you thought wasn't very conventional, in the way that you really wasn't that excited about, and it was the answer? You didn't like either the packaging or the terms. Hmm? Or you don't prefer the carrier. Hmm? People say all the time, I don't, I can't listen to that preacher. I don't like this one. This is mine. This is mine. Paul said all that's carnality. I mean, we all have things that we prefer over others, you know, but I'm just saying, but each one has purpose. Hmm? You know, I was uh, watching, uh, uh, about two, three years ago, I was watching Joyce Myers, and she was on a show. Well, but no, it was her show, I guess. And she had Joel Osteen on with her. And they were talking about stuff, and had him on for about uh, a week's worth of tapings. And she said, you know, we're both called to God, but our, she said, our calling is so much difference. She said, there's just so much difference between he and I, and I don't mean just in gender. She said, I can't get through one message without correcting all kind of stuff. She said, this man doesn't have a corrective bone in his body anywhere. She said, he, he encourages and I want to get the whip out. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, we need both of them, yes. right? 
If you just beat your kids all the time and never encourage them, how would they learn? The Bible tells you actually in, the, in the Ephesians about your children that you can cause them to the place to become, if you just correct them all the time and you don't encourage them for what they do right, you can break their spirit. You know, so if you listen to Joyce Myers or someone like Mark, Mark, Dr. Mark Barclay all the time, I mean, you know, Dr. Barclay is a, uh, he's a former Marine. Yes. And he ministers just like he's still a, you know, a, a sergeant. Yes. And he was a drill instructor. Yes. I mean, you're, you're in his meetings. I mean, you're, you don't even know, you don't even have to be military and you're, you're standing like this. You know, you, <laughs> you, just, you, just, you just know you should. And when he says something, he means it. And we, we need all that. Yes. So they didn't recognize Jesus when he come. Uh, most people know the what. If you ask most people, they know the what. Sometimes they know the plan. Or they know the, the purpose. Or they know the, at least the desire that they have. Jesus said most of them fall away in Mark 4, 17. He says most of them know the what, but he says a lot, most of them fall away in a uh, season when affliction comes. All right? And remember the parable of the story said they get happy and excited when they first hear it, but time goes by and then affliction comes. That word affliction is the word pressure. That you cave into pressure. I mean, two things. Brother Hagin said, I always do this. He said, no matter where I'm preaching, no matter what my assignment is, he said, for my personal life, there's two things I do every day of my life, no matter where I'm at, in the country, out of the country, at home, teaching at Ramah, whatever I'm doing. He said, I spend personal time with me, just with the Lord, and I'm always dealing with my health and my finances. He said, that's the two areas the Lord's going to take you the most. In this life is your health and your finances and your relationships. If your health is bad, it doesn't matter how much money you have. Right? What if you have a lot of money, but you have no health? There's been billionaires that their money couldn't help them live another day. And there's been people who would live longer if they'd have had better health. They'd have better health care in a way to, to get help. Do you agree with both those statements? I mean, there's some people who died just because they're... They, they did not or could not take care of themselves. Is that, is that true, Ms. Dana? That they just didn't have enough resources to help themselves or get to the doctor or otherwise. Would you agree with that? Sometimes just vitamins helps. You said, I thought this should be spiritual. It is. God puts you in a, in a natural world. Right? And tells you to take care of yourself. He said... Your body is not your body. It's my body on loan to you. You're a steward of my body. And then take care of it. Yes. I mean, every day I got this little, I don't know if they're any good or not. I got a little GNC pack for if you're over 50 and I'd take them out and I swallow six of them. And I, this morning I had some orange juice and I put in some vitamin C, straight granules, put them in there, you know, not even a pill, just shake it up. Woo, it's kind of tart. Make your pucker just like that real quick. And, and, uh, you know, took some extra this, extra that. Why? Well, it's, I'm, I'm older. I'll think about it. Yes. Nine, in a few more days, I'll be another year older. Mm -hmm. About eight, nine more days. 
be older than I've ever been. <laughs> no doubt. And sir, the next month you'll be older than you've ever been. <laughs> but you'll still be a year older than me. <laughs> what I'm saying is I'll be 44 and he'll be 45. <laughs> and that's about right. <laughs> so we need to take care of ourselves. Right? You know, the only authority that you have in this life is because you have that body. When the body's gone, your authority and dominion on this planet is gone. So we need you here. God needs you here. So many, many people know the what, the plan, or the desire they have, but, in a, but a lot of times they only endure for a season. He says, but when affliction comes or the pressure comes. So Brother Hagin said, I always take time to deal with those things because <clears throat> he said, well, first off, I've never found anyone who was as interested in my health as I was. And he said, I've never found anyone who was interested in my finances as I was. Would you agree with that? Yes. Has anyone checked with you to make sure you was okay this week? I, I, I had a minister call me and said, are, are you okay in this area and that area? And I said, I, I, I'm okay. Why? He said, because I think I'm supposed to call and ask you that. Do you have need of anything? I thought, really? He said, yeah. I don't know if I can do this or that or whatever, but, but do you have need of anything? I feel like you do. And uh, I, I didn't have need of anything. Man, I appreciate that phone call. Because hmm? when you're lead all the time, you just feel like I'm supposed to be out here doing all the leading. Right? And people come to hear what the leader is supposed to say because they're supposed to represent what God's saying. But did you know the leader has needs? Right. Did you know God has needs? Yes. God so loved this world and he so wanted it back, it was taken from him. He had a, a great big need. Yes. He wanted his family back. God has needs. Right. Jesus had a need. Yes. Jesus couldn't get to the cross and he had to, he had to get this fixed and worked out in his, he had to get it worked out in his soul and, and the prayer of Gethsemane. When, when you're sweating blood, uh, there's some soul situations going on. Yes, yeah. And I hear it all the time, and uh, you know, I'm, if I'm wrong, I'm just wrong. I, I do not believe Jesus was trying to get out of the cross. He wasn't looking forward to it. Who would be? Right. He never knew what it was like to be separated from the Father. And he knew he was about to be separated. I mean, he foretold his whole three and a half years of ministry of his death. He wasn't trying to get out of that. I mean, he rebuked Peter for telling him that that won't ever happen. I'll go with you to this whole thing. And he rebuked Peter for saying, you won't do that. So he wasn't trying to get out of that, but he'd never been separated from the Father. And uh, <clears throat> so he had to work that out. Hallelujah. So, so when we're in need... We shouldn't just ask God to meet the specific need. See, because we, we really don't have a money problem. We just have a wisdom issue. And you don't have a marriage problem. You have a wisdom issue. Someone told me this week, and I'm not putting anybody down, they, they just said, well, we're not together because we have irreconcilable differences. Well, what does that mean? We can't reconcile our differences. 
Well, that just means that two people aren't willing to come do this. Or one person is not willing to do it. Well, was you ever in love? Yes. You not now? No. You don't love him anymore? No, I don't. You don't love? No, I don't have none of those feelings. Well, that's not scripture anyway. I mean, where do you get that from? Love is love's a choice, a decision. I mean, the Lord loved us all the time, whether they felt like it or not. Well, we've done some bonehead things before. Right? So that was his choice. That's our choice. She's, and so this person said, no, we, 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 we can't stay together because we, we don't get along. Well, if we could just both agree, me not with you and you not with me, but if we could agree with God. Hmm? That's all I do in counseling sometimes. I just, I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm not a marriage counselor, so I'm not, a, sometimes I, I tell people you should go see a counselor because I'm not helping you here. And then I have helped people who have spent thousands with counselor. I know one couple said, I spent $6,000, and all he told me was what you just told me. I said, so expect my invoice next week then. <laughs> I said, how many times did you meet with this guy? He said, four times, and it was $5,000. I said, what, what did he tell you? He said, nothing that you had, hadn't already told us. Nothing. And I said, well, I'd have done it for 2500 easy. And I was just, you know, I'm just playing, you know, and I'm just... But all I can tell you is what God said. Right. You know why? Because he's right. That's right. But he's not going to make anybody do it. Nope. Right? right? And if I return to that, the feelings will return. Yes. Hmm? That's right. yeah. Praise God. So what we need is wisdom. Proverbs 3.16 says, Length of days is in wisdom's hand, and in her left hand is riches and honor. So we should look for wisdom. James tells us that we can ask for wisdom, right? Yes. And he'll give it. Amen. Then we know what to do. When we know what to do, it unlocks the blessing. Yes. Solomon asked for wisdom instead of gold, fame, or power. Because of that, God gave him everything he lacked. He didn't ask for the money. He didn't ask for power. He said, I, I need wisdom to help people when they come in as the king, when they come in and when they go out to be able to judge fairly. I, I, I need an understanding of people and how to judge and how to be a good king, how to be a good leader. And God said, I like that. And because you didn't ask, I'm going to make sure you're very rich and you have a lot of power. Hmm? And so he became the richest, wisest person of his time. And then the wisdom unlocked the rest of his, his needs. Uh, Paul prayed in Ephesians chapter 1. What did he pray for? That, that we would have a spirit of what? A wisdom and revelation. Huh? The, and the knowledge of him. People are still praying, God do this and God do that. And God help me do this. And God heal me. And God bless me. And God you know, show me. And God give me strength. <clears throat> Paul said, you're praying wrong. He said, what you need to do is pray that you would get a revelation of what he's already done and you're trying to get him to do it. And what you need to do is to have it revealed to you what he's already done in the finished work of Christ. Amen. Right? right? If you're asking the Lord to heal you, it's because you don't understand what he's already done. <clears throat> According to the scripture, in order for you to have a right to be healed, there had to be a death 
and a cross, a burial, and a whipping post. In faith. Yes. Right? right? Well, has that already been done? Yes. So what would the Lord go do to heal you? I mean, because the promise is by his stripes you are healed, so it took stripes. Yes. And then it took faith in that. Well, hasn't it given you faith in your born-again spirit? Yes. Yes. Has he already given you the promise? So if I say, Lord, heal me, then, then what do we need him to go do? See, the provision's made. So Paul said, you're praying wrong. Pray that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that you would know the hope to which you've been called, and you would know the knowledge of him so you could receive what he's already done, and you could ask him to do things he's already done. Hmm. <clears throat> so Paul knew the gift of wisdom and he knew that it would unlock the realms of glory because he called God the Father of glory. Wisdom unlocks realms of miracles. Y'all okay? Can you hang with me just a few more minutes? What does wisdom and revelation have to do with miracles? Everything. It has everything to do with it. Most of the time, people think that they, <clears throat> before they act, that God will give them instructions and, uh, and show them everything. We're going to talk about instructions. We're going to finish up with instructions. But he gives us enough information to act upon. Okay. If, if the Lord gives you the, the first 30 steps out of 32 about what he needs you to do, I'm going to be really highly upset that, that you know all that. On the front end. Yes. And uh, <clears throat> usually when the Lord does give us instructions, it's, it's enough that the, the mind will want to abort it. Because yeah. it doesn't make any common sense. In other words, you, you remember the guy in Second Kings where it's four or five where he was using the axe and it was borrowed, a precious commodity, and the, and the axe head fell off the stick. Mm -hmm. And, of course, he knew he was in a bad situation losing that man's axe in that day. And so he asked the prophet of God, what, I, what should I do? And he said, well, take a stick and throw it in right behind where the axe head went. Oh, yeah, that's exactly how you do it. <laughs> or the Lord tell me to, you know, put my money in the stock market on, on uh, bowling balls. And I did, and I lost all of it. And you go to the property, he said, well, how much you put in there? Well, you know, $100. Well, he said, put 500 in there and the same thing. You mean the one I just lost? Uh-huh. Oh. Okay. Well, was it very conventional to tell fishermen that you're fishing on the wrong side at the wrong time of the day? He said, let down one net or let down your nest, but let it on that side and go out there in the middle of the day. Does it make sense when they ran out of wine that Jesus said, fill these firkins up with water and go pour it out to the governor of the feast? Now, if you ever want to study that, you, you take the governor of the feast some water and, and tell him it's wine, and it won't be that great a day for you because right. you're going to come into his office. Jesus said, take these vessels, these firkins, and go fill them up with water. Then take it to the governor of the feast and pour it out. See, behind every instruction, there's a miracle. Your miracles is waiting on you carrying out an instruction. Remember a man one time who was a leper, he, the prophet of God said, go wash in the pool. Yes. And he got offended. Yep. 
because he had status. And the place he told him, you know, to wash was not a clean place. It was a dirty place. He said, you have to go and come out and you have to go in there seven times in that dirty, stinking pond. And he said, don't you know who I am? He said, yeah, I know exactly who you are. You're a leper and you're dying. And the servant, his servant said, Master, if, if he'd asked you a hard thing to do, wouldn't you have done it? Yeah, well, I mean, what you got to lose? You know, right? Servant had more sense than the, you're right? <clears throat> or how about the, the, the woman that uh, sustained Elijah? And she said, I, I, he said, well, 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 make me a cake. She said, I don't have a cake. She said, I just got a handful of meal. She says, I'm, this is it. I'm gathering some sticks. I'm going to make a fire. I'm going to cook this little meal. There's enough for me and my son to have a little bit. This will be our last meal. Then we're going to die together. He said, okay, well, just make me one first. I mean, what is it that he didn't get about what she just said? <laughs> I don't have a cake. There's enough me and him for a little bit. And he said, okay, let's go make me a cake first. Is that conventional? Can you, can, you, can you see a modern day preacher doing that to a widow? <laughs> I could just see me being on TV. Oh, they're about to take you home? Yeah, they are. Well, just bring me your mortgage with the parts you got of it. Uh, and whatever you got in the pantry, bring it over here. Are you starving? But you got some peaches? Oh, bring the canned peaches and, okay. And your lawnmower, I won't need that too. So the major key is listening to the wisdom and revelation of God and obeying it instantly, whether or not it makes sense at that time. Right? In Acts 19, Paul, we know he moved in great miracles. It says, God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out of them. How'd that work? I don't know, but it did. Now let's talk about instructions. We'll finish up this morning with this. The Lord always, if you need a miracle, or and now we're just open to thinking. You know, <clears throat> I beg to differ that God only changes things in January. That everything's kind of locked up for a year until January 1st. So we can now talk about it. What if you get in trouble in June? Hmm? Or the open enrollment of insurances in November? Who decided that? I don't even know what it's good for anymore. I went one time last year to the dock in the box. And I thought, well, that wasn't too bad. I gave them $20 copay and didn't know me anything when I left, I, th I thought. <laughs> well, I thought that did it. Yeah. You know, when you send people over $1,000 a month, can you imagine that? And I said, uh, well, there it is. He said, it'd be $20. And I thought, well, that's good. Well, ain't not, not that bad. <laughs> Get a little shot, you know, a little Z-Pack, knock all that junk out of your lungs. Then about three or four weeks later, I get a bill for $178. I thought, well, what's that about? <laughs> Well, why am I sending y'all $14,000 a year and I'm still paying $190 to go see that guy? Does that make sense to you? Don't make any sense to me. <laughs> Look better than me if I'd have just kept the money 
right? The 14000 and this paid the $300 bill. Some say, well, once something happens to you, really bad, it's catastrophic, and you, you die and go to heaven. I don't know. I'll be 56 next week anyway, so. You telling me meeting the Lord's going to be a bad thing? I mean, the way my life's worked this week, I've been getting ready for a, got to get ready for an appraisal for my house to redo the mortgage. And man, I, I just, I, I wasn't prepared for all that. I think I did too much anyway. I fell down three times outside in a ditch. But the problem is, it was a fire going. And when I fell down the first time, I thought I was dead. I mean, I did. I just like, I was going, you ever fell down, check see if he's alive? But then I felt something. And it's, what I felt was fire. And so he had already burned the back of my jacket off going into my shirt, and I, I, I smelt the singe of hair. I thought, I can't even believe I'm doing this. The week of Christmas. I am, I'm actually out here painting and putting and caulking and doing things I don't know how to do. And, and uh, had to get Scott over to get enough information to not kill myself electrically. And I'm like, oh. And, when, and then she said, oh, he's coming. He's coming to the driveway. And I said, run, put this way, put that way. Hair fresher. <laughs> And I, and I wanted to tell him, you better be a good appraiser. I'll kill you, man. Because <laughs> I've been doing this for like, you know, 10 days. Whew. Look like I've been up there briar patch barefooted. The Lord gives us instructions, though. Not suggestions. So people are, they're, they're just more open to change this time of year because it's like, I mean, I kind of am because it's the first of the year and it's my birthday and you get a little bit old thinking, you know, well, you know, I'm getting older and, you know, and what's the plan from here on out? But the Lord will give instructions every day. You don't have to wait till January. It's just we're more open to hearing. Right. So we're the one hurting ourselves. Right. Hmm? I was going to have you all New Year's joke, but I just couldn't find one. It's all about drunk and getting drinking too much or stuff like that, you know, and forget goals. They don't work anyway. I thought, well, that ain't really, so I don't have a joke this morning. <laughs> I put, the, I put uh, Christian, clean uh, New Year's joke, and they were just, they're pitiful. God knew something was going to happen on the earth. And he told Noah it was going to happen. And it happened 100 years before it happened. He said, I'm going to need you to build a boat. And he said, what kind of boat? He said, big one. <laughs> Why? I'm going to flood the earth. But you found favor and grace in my sight, and I'm going to save you and your family. And everything that's alive and breathes is going to die. Everything. I need you to take two of every animal on the earth and your family, and I'm going to start all over again. It's going to have to be 525 foot long. It's going to be 87 foot wide. It's going to be 52 foot high. He said, where am I going to get the plans? He said, go to Sears. No, he didn't say that. So, but if you read that, he gave him all the instructions of how to build it and what to build it out of, right? And Noah went to work on that, and it took him 100 years. He lived to be 950 
years old. And it's a good thing he had children to help him. He had three sons, remember, who helped him. Because he didn't have any children until after he was 500, which is hard for me to think about anyway. <laughs> but it was, he's glad he had him when he had to build that boat. Can you imagine being 500? You say, uh, uh, we with child. Oh, bless your heart. <laughs> Does it hurt already? <laughs> oh, my Lord. <laughs> well, if he lived to be 950, he was middle-aged. But if someone lives to be 80 and they're going to have a child of 40, I mean, I'm not real thrilled. <laughs> Just like... This one's for rent if you all want it. <laughs> for how long? Forever. Uh, <clears throat> so Noah, what did he do? He obeyed and did exactly what God told him to. Right. Hmm? And there was no surprise that the ark floated. And God closed the door. Why? Because the end of every obedience is a miracle. At the end of every instruction and obedience is your miracle. Here's the one I like a lot. Probably because I pastor. Gideon. Y'all know who Gideon is? Yeah. He had a little job to defeat the Midianites. He was shaking in his boots. And an angel appeared and called him a mighty man of valor. It's in, uh, you want to read this in Judges chapter 7. And he starts his venture with 32,000 people. That feel good. And uh, he talked to the Lord about it, and the Lord said, I don't like your battle plan. He said, there's too many people here. He said, but this is the Midianites. He said, you got too many people. He told him who to send home. And there was too many. And he kept on, kept on. And he, he ended up with 300 people out of 32,000. The Lord called out 99% of his church. So I put that in my world. I asked all the pastors that night, I said, how was your year? Worst year I've ever seen. How's your worst year I've ever seen? Worst, big, uh, can't wait till it's over. Can't wait till it's over. I'm the youngest one in the room. Lord, did some good things. Hardest thing we've ever seen this year. Why? Don't know. So can't wait to turn the page. Hmm? This is the leadership talking. Hmm? So the Lord said, uh, I'm going to call out 99% of what you, helps you feel strong. 